This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. This is a Double Tap Canada special on AMI audio, coming to you from CES 2020, the world's largest technology event held in Las Vegas. Let's join Double Tap Stephen Scott on the exhibition floor. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Double Tap Canada. Yes, it is I, Stephen Scott, on the exhibition floor here at uh, the Consumer Electronics Show 2020 in Las Vegas. It is absolutely fantastic to be here with you once again. And uh, joining us on the line, uh, back in their respective homes and studios and sheds, I've got uh, Sean Priest in the shed, of course. Sean in the shed. How are you, Sean? I'm very happy in my shed. Hello, Stephen. How is it? It's amazing. I'll tell you why it's amazing. Because there's lots of food here and um, uh, and lots and lots of people also eating that food, which means I don't have to look like the odd one out, which is very nice. Um, now, listen, I, I now feel uh, like I'm one of you, uh, Tim Schwartz, because I am here in your land. Hello, Tim. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Sean. Yes, welcome to America, Stephen. We're, we're happy to have you. And mm. I, I'm sure there is not a Vegas buffet that uh, you will not be able to find and enjoy. I will say that the uh, incredible amount of food is, is, is staggering. I'm not going to deny. But look, you know, normally we start off our show and we, uh, we talk about food for the first 20 minutes. Um, well, what I'll say is on this occasion, we're going to do it slightly differently. We're going to end the show talking about food. Oh, yes, because um, there's some really interesting food technology here at CES. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're also going to talk about the top tech trends and, and what they mean for us as blind people. Because, you know, lots and lots of tech journalists are here and they're all talking about the, the various technology that you uh, can get, you know, foldable computers and 8K televisions and all the wonderful autonomous driving vehicles and all the rest of it. But the fact is, a lot of that isn't very relevant to us as blind people. And I'm talking here about blind people because for partially sighted people i can see some benefits for example in 8k um obviously the autonomous car yes it does have a, an impact on us because we will be able to use these cars hopefully in the future but you know a lot of this technology for 2020 isn't quite at that level i don't think i don't think it's fair to say we're at the point where we can all jump up and down as blind people and say hurrah i'm going to have a ford driving driverless car uh, we're not at that stage yet <laughs> so uh, we've got a bit to go so, we're going to focus in on some of the key things that I think, uh, certainly I've seen here, that I'd like to share with you guys um, and get your thoughts on as well. We're going to be speaking to some wonderful people as well, joining us here on the show floor in the exhibition hall. Um, but I just want to kick off things by explaining to those who are listening to this, uh, maybe for the first time hearing about CES, or at least maybe being aware of it, but not really sure what it is and why we're actually here. So, the Consumer Electronics Show actually started back in 1967. I'd love to have been at that. I mean, can you imagine, guys, the kind of technology <laughs> that would be on show in 1967? Uh, Tim, you, you'd, you'd have been there. You're old enough. <laughs> well, um, I've got to say, I think that, that some of the technologies, I hope, has improved. The one thing that hasn't improved since 1967 is Wi-Fi signal. It's just still as poor as it was back then. Um, but, you know, aside that, the technology is pretty uh, pretty improved, I would say. So, yeah, it started back in 67, and, uh, of course, it was really just a state fair for technology back in that time. But now, of course, it's improved and it's expanded on and actually become a leader in 
what we talk about and what is shown and what is designed, uh, you know, a lot of products are actually made to come here. You know, this is the purpose of this event is really to showcase what is what the future of technology is going to be, in particular for the year coming. So this really sets out the stall for what we are going to be talking about over the next year and, and possibly beyond as well. So, um, you know, I know you guys have been sort of looking in and, and sort of checking out what's been going on along the way as well as the days have been going on here at CES. Um, and, and Sean, I'd like to start with you. I mean, is there anything in particular you've maybe spotted uh, that you've thought, hey, that's interesting? Uh, you know, has Stephen had his gums or hands around that? <laughs> Steady. Well, yeah, look, as, as you said, it, it's really the, the pointer to where technology is going to go for, if not this year, then the year after that, you know, even longer. Because in previous uh, says shows, we've had, you know, 3D televisions when that was all the rage. And then it was uh, the smart speakers and uh, virtual reality headsets. And it's, it's shown where the main interest is in technology. Um, going off this one, I've got to say, I think artificial intelligence uh, seems to be everywhere and in devices you wouldn't have thought of before. You know, it's almost working in the background now. Um, yes, the 8K televisions are nice and that's where the, uh, the mainstream tends to go. But um, when it comes to it, I think the artificial intelligence and sensors as well has been huge in this year's CES. Um, and I think a lot of that is down to the self-driving car technology really pushing the amount of data and processing and how much processing of the real world that technology wants to do and needs to do now. Uh, and I just think that's really interesting. Artificial intelligence for me was the standout. Now, trying to think of a specific product, I, I don't know there's just so many of them, but it's just that it tends to be everywhere and not even in the forefront of the technology, working in the background particularly. So, yeah, artificial intelligence for me. Okay, Tim, what about you? Anything you've spotted? You know, I have to agree with Sean that artificial intelligence and making everything smarter has really stood out. I mean, there have been a few things. I know, uh, Stephen, that I have blown up your phone with things like, hey, go take a look at the uh, smart robot that will bring you a roll of toilet paper when you're, on the when you're in the bathroom. Or uh, the smart toilets, because we called it. <laughs> we called it. We said it here first. So, uh, you know, we should get credit for that. But, you know, all kidding aside, because, I mean, those are cool and those are at CES, believe it or not. But um, making the home smarter and being able to do more things with sensors, like Sean said, and, and just being able to get more information about your surroundings surroundings again i've said this in the past about other other mainstream devices it could be accessibility by accident for us because the more things that are smart and have that intelligence in them the more sensors that there are in our homes in our cars you know around our cities even that can translate to things that can become accessible for us whether it's apps or other devices to give us other information or you know about the things around us so I'm really interested in seeing where all that's going to go with this year CES. And then 5G, as we, again, predicted in our uh, end-of-the-year prediction show or beginning-of-the-year prediction show, um, 5G is really taking a big step forward at this year's CES. Yeah, exactly. And that's a really key point. 5G is really ramping up. And there are lots of companies here who aren't talking about 5G as a network, as a, as a means 
of uh, communication or a means or, of ways of communication for us or, or for technology, but actually the, the practical implications. So companies I'm seeing here are showcasing technology that actually includes 5G in some way. So, and it is a lot of it is relevant relevant to the the autonomous car driving market for sure. Because of course the whole thing about 5G is that it will allow the cars of the future to communicate with each other because you need that kind of network. For those who don't know what 5G is or you know, who have heard about 5G but aren't sure about it, the whole purpose of 5G is to essentially help us to communicate quicker and not just us, but technology. Help it to reduce the latency, the delay that exists. You know, we've all done it. We've all hit play on a Netflix video and you know, a couple of seconds go by if we're out and about and then it'll start playing. Imagine if you press that play button and it just starts instantly. That's what 5G can achieve. And you need that when it comes to driverless cars because yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't know about you guys, but if I'm in a vehicle that's traveling 70 kilometers per hour or you know, 100 miles an hour and you know, it comes to a cliff edge and it thinks maybe I should turn left or right here, <laughs> I don't want it to think about it. I want it to do it you know, and obviously go the right way, which doesn't involve coming off the cliff edge. Right. So... You know, that's what 5G can deliver, and that is, of course, a very crucial thing. Uh, otherwise, we'd all be going off cliff edges. And I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound that much fun to me. Um, so 5G is very much an emerging trend here, for sure, and that is something that's been talked about a lot. At, well, a lot of the stands, they're discussing that and how they can build it into uh, technology. And, and coming up, we're going to hear from uh, one of the people from Lenovo, because Lenovo have been bringing out a uh, new laptop here at CES, which will be the first 5G laptop. Now, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, not just that, but it's also the first folding laptop. Well, I say the first, they, they say it's the first folding laptop. We've seen these before, so yeah. I'm not entirely sure it's the first folding one. It's a company called Samsung, might have something to say about that. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it's happening. It's, uh, it's certainly there. We're going to be hearing more about it in a moment. But you're both right. Artificial intelligence is so important. Uh, and, you know, even on a very personal level, we're all using artificial intelligence now through our Amazon Echoes and through our Google Homes. Uh, that is artificial intelligence at its best. And we're seeing that being developed into so much more at CES 2020. But I've got to say, the one that really stood out for me was uh, uh, Samsung and other companies, uh, not, not just Samsung, but other companies as well, have actually been developing this lifelike artificial intelligence. Now, this is the most bizarre thing you, you can imagine. So what we've got here is a big screen, uh, almost turned the other way, so a kind of portrait screen, and it's kind of fixed into a wall, and it has a microphone obviously built in somewhere. But the person, there's a person on screen staring at you, and that person you can talk to, and she will talk back, and she, her you know, mouth will move properly, and her, her gestures will be appropriate. She'll respond to your questions. I thought that was really interesting. No, but, I but there are some. No, you, you disagree? No, well, look, I, I, this is very. We're moving into the Max Headroom era. Um, yeah, if you're young enough, then Google, ah, Google it. I thought you'd say that. Uh, but I know, I'm showing my age. But listen, I, there was so much um, excitement about this. First time personal avatar, you know, new standard in artificial intelligence. And so far, a lot of people have been uh, unimpressed by it. Of course, they've got the, the 3D model there of a person that's very convincing, but it's still the artificial intelligence behind that. How convincing is it when you talk to a person? How good are the answers? Now, uh, 
Lady A and Bixby and Siri and all these others, they are very, very useful, but I still say they're not truly intelligent. You know, it's all very fixed phrases, and yes, you can play around with it a little bit, but it's not truly intelligent. And I think that's what I was hoping for with this, um, I think it's called Neon uh, Technology. And no, it, it just really didn't impress me, the demo so far. Now, again, it, it's obvious where it's going, and this is going back to the trends again. You know, artificial intelligence is the big thing for this year, but it's going to need a lot more than what they showed there. It was, uh, it was a novelty, I think. Well, it might be a novelty, Sean, but it is the early days of this technology. I mean, you know, you, you, you didn't expect the Betamax player when you were, you know, growing up. <clears throat> To uh, to become <laughs> my time. Oh, mm, sure, for that to become the standard in video quality, you know, look where we've come in the last many many you know decades. So I, I, I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. I I, I, I like the idea of it. I think it's going to be something utilized in the future a lot. But maybe it's got a few steps to go. But but I'm I'm interested. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think we, we should say that Neon, although it, that is the company uh, that are developing this, it is very much with Samsung technology. And Samsung are very keen to say, and actually are at pains to tell us, that it is not Bixby that is inside these lifelike artificial intelligent designs, um, which I think is actually quite telling. Um, I mean, I don't. I, well, actually, is it telling? Is it telling us that Bixby is so bad that we wouldn't <laughs> put it in there, or that? Um, <laughs> that this is so bad it wouldn't be Bixby, which is also bad. I don't know which way around it is. But um, I think it is interesting to see this develop. I, I think that it was, I mean, having a bit of a demo of it, very interesting to to see how it reacts. The only problem, of course, with the demonstration was that you had to give your question to somebody else. They would then feed in the question and you would see the response. So you'd have like a, an English translator for English. For some reason, uh, you couldn't ask the device itself yes. <laughs> um, because obviously, I know another thing was you could only ask certain questions. I think as that well. was just for you. Steve. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. Um, you're probably right though. Uh, but yeah, yeah, they don't have a Scottish translator in there yet. But um, <laughs> but no, it, it, you know, the, fa- the fact that we're at that stage is interesting. But you know, again, that's what CES is about. It's about showcasing what the art of the possible is. It's not about showcasing what's going to be on store shelves next month. This is not going to come out for some time. It may never appear, although I think something of its ilk will. Um, I think, you know, we're seeing a lot of hologram images as well. Um, If you are wondering what that horrendous noise above me is, I'm told it's a plane flying overhead. So, um, just, I I am fine. Um, But, (laughs) it was, I must admit, I'd rather have Hotel California that was playing a minute ago. Um, But, the thing about it is, that you know this this is such an amazing technology and ai is moving into this whole new area and the other thing is and the other area it's kind of taking root is in healthcare now we saw a bit of this already um, but you know ai robots and there are so many robots here to talk about but a lot of them tend to have the the common theme of being dedicated to helping uh, and supporting people who maybe live alone so you could have a robot that yes may indeed tim fetch your toilet roll if that's what you wish um i'd like mine to fetch chocolate if that was possible i want a chocolate fetching robot uh in my choco bot yes oh that'd be amazing let's get that on sale uh (laughs) but also you know things like um having your fridge and freezer speak to you 
uh, there are fridge freezers here. In fact, they're actually just where I'm standing at the moment. And one of the uh, uh, where we're actually cited today is the Las Vegas uh, Las Vegas Convention Center. And in here, there are products from literally all over the world. Every single part of the the room we are in has a different country being represented, and all of its products are here. And uh, I walked past one from China. It was a fridge freezer that had a massive screen, much bigger than the Samsung fridges and freezers we've seen. Um, I did ask about accessibility, and I was kind of met with a blank expression, maybe a language barrier issue, I don't know. But, um, you know, I, I did worry about that because, you know, even the Samsung ones have struggled to do that. So, you know, I think, again, all of these products are here, um, and they're on show, and they're showing us how technology is going to change uh, and develop. Now, one area which is actually dying out, it seems, is virtual reality. Very little talk about virtual reality here. AI and AR taking over. Now, I think this is a very interesting conversation for us because virtual reality, for us, I think, is pointless. And I'm talking about blind people here. I I think it's pointless. But for someone who needs to know what's around them, what's happening, you know, you go to, even even on a social level, going out for a, a visit to a museum and being able to know what exhibit you're looking at and what that information is. I mean, Tim, you and I have experienced the Bose AR frames and we've seen a little bit of that. You certainly have seen more than I have at the moment. But, you know, the fact is that that technology is is very much more at the forefront this year than it has been in previous years. And for that, I think that's a really good thing. Now, Sean, you haven't tried the Bose AR frames because you're tight uh, and because you spend too much money on (laughs) Indian food. But, but what's your thoughts on all of this? <laughs> That's only partly true. Well, look, I, I think... Oh, which part? <laughs> I'm not saying. All parts. Virtual reality has very much got its... It's, it's set for gamers, you know. That's, I think, where you need that total immersion in an environment, uh, you know, yeah. a, a fantasy world. It's very much in the gaming arena. Um, it isn't quite there yet, and I think mainly the reason for that is because it needs more than just the visual aspect. You know, you're, you're tethered to where, on the spot, really. You need somewhere where you can run around and you can feel things. You need haptic feedback, and I think a lot more technology in different areas needs to come together before VR for gaming comes to its own. But when it comes to AR, that's got so many uses, um, you know, from enterprise and business and surgery and you know, medical. It's just, it makes total sense. Overlaying digital information over the real world could be really useful. And from an accessibility point of view, if you are low vision, you know, if, if the AI can identify objects um, in your environment then, you know, putting a a boundary around them, an outline around them, hiring the contrast and the brightness and pointing them out to you could be really useful for certain eye conditions. And aside from that, either way, once we get to that point where artificial intelligence can really handle the real-world visuals and can recognise objects and environments, that is going to be such a game-changer. And we are slowly moving towards that, and that is thanks to things like augmented reality and, as I said before, self-driving cars where it needs to know quickly what an object is and where it is. And being able to identify that in a digital world means it can translate into anything. If that is an audio message to us, you know, to help if you've got no vision or low vision or if it's enhancing 
the visuals that, that people can see. I think it's going to be massive. I think it has got a lot, it's got a long way to go yet, and, and people are still finding their way. The tech companies are still finding their way. I mean, just the very fact that they're changing from we've had it VR for virtual reality, we've had AR for augmented reality, and now they're calling it XR. I don't even know what that stands for. No, no, do I. But what I will say is I think that the line is certainly starting to be crossed between uh, AI and AR. This is, you know, basically becoming acronym city here. But, you know, artificial intelligence meeting uh, augmented reality, Tim, I think that is probably the next best thing for us to happen, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. The more augmented reality that can be you know, married with artificial intelligence and put into devices like the Bose frames or anything else, whatever it is, like Sean was saying, the more sensors and the more intelligence and the more you know, augmented type reality we can get, the better it is, again, for us. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing that next step, whether it's AR or XR, whatever the heck that is. Um, it's, it's by me as well, so I don't know. Uh, we'll have to look this one up. But, um, but no, I, I completely agree. I think that this is going to be the future. We, we've talked about this on the show. Again, we've called it. We, we are at the, at the beginning of it all of it, guys. We are, we are on the ball. But, uh, no, I, I really think that this is going to be huge for the future. Combined with 5G, the Internet speeds and the capabilities for including you know, better AI and AR and all that going forward, I, I, I can't wait. I'm very excited to see where this is all going to go. And, and this year's CES has really kind of given us uh, you know, a sneak peek. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we're going to talk more about all of this at the Emerging Tech. I want to sort of focus in on one particular product that I got the chance to play with and uh, get a demonstration of, and that is from Lenovo. Now, we've heard about foldable computers before, and if I'm honest, whenever I hear foldable and I hear computer, I tend to want to fall asleep because I think, oh, here we go. It's going to be a horrible device. It's going to be powered by some horrific Celeron-style processor. It's going to be you know, useless with JAWS, uh, which is now, of course, my benchmark for everything. I don't care if it can run Call of Duty. Can it run JAWS? Uh, so, we, all these questions I did ask to the lovely lady from uh, Lenovo, and you can imagine the response that I got. Um, but <laughs> that was before we, 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 we actually got uh, Carly over here. Uh, but yeah, Carly's here. Carly Overfall from uh, Lenovo is here to tell us all about some of the new products uh, that they've been launching uh, by Lenovo. And Carly, you're here to tell us about one in particular. Yeah, so we're announced our world's first foldable PC, the ThinkPad X1 Fold. It is an amazing PC that's going to be the next era of computing. Can we take you through it? Please. Awesome. So this right here is a 13.3 inch foldable OLED plastic screen, design screen. So it is a beautiful, bright, vibrant uh, design. The screen is 2K. It is a 4 by 3 ratio. It is 300 nits brightness. So it's a beautiful, beautiful crisp display. And it looks like a tablet from the outside, but it actually is a full-powered Windows PC running Intel Core technology with hybrid uh, technology, which Intel had announced at CES as well. So we're really excited about this product, but what's really cool about it is that it actually folds. And I can fold it shut and I can take it on the go so I can carry it small in my purse or my bag, but I can fold it out when I want to have a full-powered PC and work at my desk or maybe on the airplane or watch a video, etc. That's absolutely amazing. Um, so 
talk a bit about the specifics of what's actually in it uh, um, and how, how, I know you've mentioned Intel Core, but how powerful is it? It is really powerful. So it's a core processor. So we're going to be having an Intel Core i5, and you're going to have uh, SSD options up to one terabyte. There's also 5G connectivity. So we're really excited about having this as a 5G option worldwide. We are working with local markets to get certified. We will have Wi-Fi options, 4G LTE options, and then also 5G options. So really connected for people on the go to be able to work on the go and then come back to their office, their home, and connect to an external monitor or a dock and really have a full performance PC. It's, it's, it's not a companion device. It is a full-powered PC, which is really exciting. So one device for on the move for everything. Exactly, exactly. It's a replacement. It's the next generation of computing. Now, this is obviously aimed, I imagine, at the business market, which is something that Lovo is very focused on. Uh, but you're, you are a consumer company. You sell a lot of consumer products. In fact, you're one of the, if not the biggest computer company selling in the, in the world right now. Uh, so what do you attribute to that success? Is it, is it design like this? Is it thinking about the consumer as well as business? Yeah, so a couple of things. So we, we're really focusing on our, our consumers and what our users want and need. But we're not afraid to take risks and really push the envelope of innovation because PC category hasn't changed much in the last 10, 15 years. Uh, we innovated with, really started the, the convertible PC category with our yoga PCs back, I believe it was in 2012. And we created that category as the next step of computing. And we believe that foldable PCs and foldable PC technology is the next big thing in the next era of computing and that's going to be the big thing in the next next five ten years you're actually redefining computing exactly we are redefining computing and what it means to have a mobile pc and as a user who is going to on the go and new workforce a lot of people talk about the ipad and talked about it as a desktop replacement from Apple, but a lot of other people saying, well, it's just not quite as powerful enough, doesn't give us the opportunity. Is Windows, uh, and I guess in your case through Lenovo, is it, is it still essentially the, the king of, of computing? It is. So many people are used to Windows and being able to do their full productivity devices to be able to work and get all their Word documents and their PowerPoint and Office. And yeah, we, we, we stand behind. So we work with a lot of different operating systems at the company. So we have many different types of offerings, again, for user choice. Um, but on the ThinkPad division, we, we do really focus on, on Windows PCs. So this foldable PC, when do we see it in stores? Oh, it's going to be coming in mid-2020, so not that far away. So you're going to be able to buy it in just, just a few months. It's going to be really cool, and we're really excited to be launching it and be one of the, the, the first 5G PCs in the market and the world's first foldable PC. Thank you, Carly. I've got to say, the hardware does sound gorgeous and amazing, but I am slightly confused. Sean, um, you're confused. That's very unusual. Is everything okay? <laughs> yes, okay, I'm back to normal. Does it have a physical keyboard? Uh, well, yes, the answer is yes, it does. It does have a keyboard. And what's interesting is um, I only knew I had a keyboard when, um, when Carly opened it up earlier uh, before we started the show, and it fell to the floor. I dropped it. Uh, I said, oh, what's that? And she said, that's the keyboard. So, yeah, it does have a keyboard. Um, and uh, it's clearly not been very well built into the design. It just kind of sits in almost like a page in a book. Um, so it's a bit odd in that respect. But yeah, it's here. Uh, it's coming out mid-2020, as Carly says. 
looking forward to it. Uh, look, stick around. We've got lots more to talk about, but someone has delivered me coffee, so I'm going to go and devour that. I advise you guys do the same, and we'll be right back here on uh, Double Tap Canada in moments with more from CES 2020, live from Las Vegas. This is a Double Tap Canada special from CES 2020 in Las Vegas. Stay tuned for more in moments. Now back to Stephen Scott at CES 2020. This is a Double Tap special. Yeah, welcome back. It's Stephen here at uh, CES 2020 live in Las Vegas and... uh, you know, I, I will say that you know I, I feel like I've been alive now for what feels like five days straight because you know honestly, aside jet lag, uh, the uh, complete difference in time zone, I seem to have completely reset my time. Uh, day is now evening and, and evening is now day. Uh, I am completely lost in this world, and I've got to say, Tim, I don't know what it is about this country, but everything's huge. Can't you just have a small town with a couple of hotels and maybe a nice casino? Why, what, is all, what is all this? And I'm asking you, of course, as the representative of everything that is American. Yes, that is me, the representative of everything that is American. There may be people that uh, want that or don't want that. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, that's why I live in the Midwest, Stephen, where we have things that are so huge, but then we have the country where everything is so quiet and small, and, and I love the Midwest. Except for, for you, Tim. <laughs> Except for me. Don't start, oh. Mr. Priest. <laughs> wow. I know you have about a half a dozen wow. different nicknames for me, so don't start, mister. <laughs> All done with love. I am six foot four and <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> well, um, I'll let you two find a room later. But first, um, let's talk about, let's talk about <laughs> some of the accessibility technology that is actually at CES this year. And this is a really key thing, right? Because, you know, one of the things I love is the fact that at CES, and I noticed it last year and I think the year before as well, they had a dedicated accessibility area. Now, actually, being at CES, I got a chance to sense what that is like. Because, you know, part of me thought, is it going to be the case? It's just, you know, a couple of guys standing there, you know, with a Braille display and everyone else ignoring them. Um, and, the, you know, because <laughs> all the, the key media has gone somewhere else. Well, I have to say, there's a bit of truth to that. Um, and the bit of truth is more the media ignoring part. Uh, I'll talk about that in a minute. But... Certainly, there is a huge presence of a number of different companies. I mentioned earlier about healthcare companies using AI to deliver patient care. That was a big part of it. Uh, Lots of technology there for uh, people with hearing disabilities, uh, dyslexia. Of course, motor impairments, the new type of uh, mobility scooters that are being trialled. Even uh, self-driving mobility scooters are here as well. And that's really interesting because... Uh, I was thinking about this. I was having a conversation with my wife. My wife is a rehabilitation officer in the UK, and part of her job is to sort of help people who are blind find their way around, get around. But what if someone has mobility challenges as well? So it's not just sight problems, but they struggle to walk or move, like Sean. Unbelievable. (laughs) Come on, laziness isn't the same. We all know it. Well, (laughs) the point is... (laughs) He's just lazy. Um... But no, the, the thing is, you know, this kind of technology has never really, we, we have always found it difficult to use. A good example of that was my wife and I had gone to a shopping mall in the UK and we were walking around and my dad, he, he needed to get a, a mobility scooter. And in order for him to get the mobility scooter, he had to show his driving license. I mean, what is that? Yeah, that makes sense to me. Well, no, I mean, he's driving at three miles an hour down a shopping centre. <laughs> Have you ever been hit by one of those things? They're hard and heavy, man. <laughs> well, 
I'll take your word for it. It hasn't happened to me. Um, but I, I will say that I think but that... But so the, can a, a young person on a skateboard that plows into you in, in, yeah. in probably more than three miles an hour, and they don't have a license. All right, yeah, okay, exactly. I take it all back. Everyone should have a mobility scooter, sorry. But the point is that we as blind people can't get access to those, right? <laughs> so that's a bit of a challenge. So could technology help? And, of course, with, with self-driving vehicles, like I was saying at the top of the show, one of the challenges is uh, for 5G and for AI and all of these things is how they build into the technology that's not just out there on the road or that seems all very pie in the sky, but actually into that everyday technology. So a mobility scooter that is powered by sensors that can drive itself could make a real difference. But this then could apply to other things as well. So, for example, airport travel. You arrive at an airport. I mean, this, this might happen to me or you. Uh, you, you go to an airport and uh, they offer you assistance, but maybe a little buggy just turns up. You get in it, off it goes. Takes you to where you're going, takes you to your gate. That kind of technology could become very mainstream very quickly. But, you know, imagine the implications for us. It gives us that yeah. independent travel. That now, would be I, fantastic. Oh, wouldn't it be amazing? Um, so th- this, is, this is kind of where it's going, and that's the bit that excites me about all of this technology. So, okay, all of that is there. And then, of course, we have the, the blind guys as well. Uh, Vespero were there. Uh, and are here. Uh, they are at the uh, the Science Convention Centre, and uh, we will be talking to them about the JAWS 2020 updates, and we'll be talking to them soon about all of their um, other events that are, are going on, especially around the, the launch of the new uh, Focus 14s down the line and the new Focus 40s as well, and the updates to those because there are new generations coming out. So we're going to hear more about those, and, uh, of course, Zoom text as well, lots of new updates for 2020, and, of course, uh, JAWS uh well, not JAWS, it's called Fusion, isn't it? Where you've got Zoom Text and JAWS built into one product. Yeah. So, you know, lots of exciting stuff going on there. No new announcements from them, though. Found that a bit annoying. Um, <laughs> come on, guys. Uh, but, yeah, no... N- <laughs> what do you want, Stephen? What do you want? I don't know. I, I don't know. I want, I want JAWS. I want, like, JAWS AI, right? So I want, like, JAWS to just do my emails for me. I don't have to type them. It just does it. Oh, yeah. Okay. So do I now. Yeah. Now that you mention it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. Get that done. Come on, Vespero. Uh, so they are here. Uh, also, Orcam are here as well. Now, Orcam, a lot of us will probably know as being the company that made the camera that you wear on your glasses. And if you say uh, are blind and you point your head towards a menu or a magazine, it will be able to read that back to you. It will be able to, to use... Uh, a bit of artificial intelligence, but really OCR, to sort of gather that information and give it to you. Well, they're launching some new features for that, including orientation and mobility assistance as well. So they're really trying to up the ante on the hardware. No new hardware, but that's actually a good thing in this case because we don't need new hardware. It's very expensive tech. You're talking five to even 6,000 Canadian for this device. So once you've bought it, you really don't want to be buying it again. So we're going to be hearing a, a bit about that in the coming week as well. Um, and also we're going to be talking about uh, the new Here product as well, which is very interesting. Um, th- this is a device that if you've got issues with uh, hearing, now you don't have to be, it's not for people who are deaf, but for people who are hard of hearing or struggle with their hearing, you wear this around your, your neck, it's like a little pendant. And what it does is it connects with hearing aids if you use them, or maybe even something like an AirPod. And you just direct the pendant to wherever the sound is coming from, so the person you might be speaking to, you just sort of direct it. It's like a little prism or a little triangle. And you just direct it at the person, and you're able to hear them more clearly. And that's a great idea. 
It is, definitely. And it's, it's not, again, look, artificial intelligence. This is going to turn into a drinking game every time I say intelligence, take a shot. But the thing <laughs> is that that, that technology uses, um, is able to analyse the, the... It's got a camera on it, OK? And it's able to use lip reading. And that, that, you know, the intelligence behind that and the programming behind that is, is just another pointer to how far we've come. So it's able to tell who's speaking and then zero in and gather the audio from that person and make that important. So in a group of people all talking at once, it can zero in onto the person that's closest to you and, and, and realise, OK, that's the person you should be listening to. So, uh, yeah, this, uh, this is uh, so just some really interesting uses. And there's other hardware they're bringing out as well, the MyMe, which is a similar wearable device, but that one just um, is able to recognise faces and then flash information about that person, their name, contact details, to either your smartwatch or an app on your phone. And obviously that can be relayed using Bluetooth headphones back to yourself. So, uh, again, there's these specific devices for individual tasks, not one device that does everything. If you do want a facial recognition device, you can just get a device that does that on its own. But again, the AI behind it, and this is all done on device, there's no internet connection or anything needed you know i I just think it's really exciting all i can say is potential game changers in so many ways i mean that's that's truly what we're talking about here is technology that that will be game changers for so many people in their everyday lives yeah absolutely and i I think that's the point you made there sean about the fact that it doesn't connect to the internet or cam devices really uh and the company uh, which is an israeli-based company they are pains to say that privacy is key using this device because you know when i was looking at these um one of my concerns was walking around with a camera on my head um might not be the best thing you think about um all the potential pitfalls of that i remember years ago a story in the news about a guy who was taking pictures uh, of his family at a beach and because he was taking the pictures from quite far away, he was kind of just obviously walking back to the, the family and thought, oh, that's, that's a nice picture of, you know, uh, Sadie, uh, you know, digging a hole for her, her brother uh, or whatever it was that they were doing, you know, what children are like, whatever children do. Um, <laughs> a man with no kids, but, you know, uh-huh. obviously, yes. Yeah, you, can, you, can, you, can you tell? Uh, so, you know, whatever's going on, he's obviously decided to take a picture of that. Well, someone else saw him taking a picture and approached him and said, what are you doing? Why are you taking pictures of my kids? And of course, he's explaining he's not taking pictures of your, you know, the, your kids. I'm taking pictures of my kids, and here's the pictures and all the rest of it. If someone was to approach People me and idiots. say, "Why have you got a camera on your head?" Yeah, but the point is, if you get a, a picture, or you get a camera on your head, and you're walking around, it looks like you're taking pictures all the time. Then that could be challenged. Now, I must admit, maybe I'm in a minority of one on this opinion. I just I'm wary about this. Um, whereas I like the idea of. Uh, this device not taking pictures and actually not storing any images it doesn't do any of that and that's key to know i just want to say one more thing on orcam because as well as launching uh, the new device uh, the new here device that we were, we were talking about and of course you can read more about that on double tap.online and we'll have an interview up soon as well and well, you'll see some of the products soon on a new double tap tv episode um, but i think what's also important to mention is that the orcam the, the camera, the MyI2 device uh, that a lot of us talk about, that device is not great for people who have awkward head tilts. So say, for example, you, you can't 
a lot of, a lot of blind people have this where perhaps they, they maybe don't look straight at something. You can't look directly at something. And, and even yeah. if you're looking ahead to someone, your head may actually be off to the left. Well, OrCam wouldn't work in that case because you need to be obviously facing the right angle. Well, what they've done is they've brought out a slightly longer version, so it's like an OrCam, uh, which is almost like a stick of chewing gum, really, uh, in terms of size. But they've elongated that, so maybe about double the length. And that can now be held like a pen. And you just hold it above a piece of paper. So you've got your piece of paper in front of you, or maybe it's a letter, or maybe it's a menu, and you just want to read it. You just sort of put the put the little device on, pull away, it captures the image and then reads out to you. So that's an, another option for that. So really interesting to see OrCam developing this. I did ask the guys at OrCam uh, a couple of months back when we were doing interviews about it. I said, okay, what happens when Apple bring out glasses and you know all of this just can be done through an app on your smartphone? Dear. <laughs> and of course... <laughs> I don't think that was the question they were expecting to be asked or indeed wanted to be. Sure. But the fact is that that's a reality they've got to face. And the answer was, it's going to have to be an app then. And I think this is where all of this technology, the back-end technology that operates this this kit, the OrCam and all of the, the technology we're seeing here, yes, it's great hardware, but truthfully, it's the software that's driving it. And uh, that's the key point. So it's a really interesting time. But I, I'm, I'm excited about this. And I will say that overall, um, you know, we've had some really interesting conversations with people in the accessibility field. Uh, I want to focus in now on one particular area that's of interest to all of us, and that is web accessibility. Now, web accessibility is an area we all know, uh, except Sean, because Sean lives on a different planet to the rest of us, that web accessibility is a problem. It's not perfect. A lot of websites aren't accessible. Uh, you know, try and book a flight, uh, try and check out at some uh, stores. It's not easy. Tim knows what I'm talking about because he's a sensible person. Correct. Sean, correct. on the other hand, is not. Um, no, no, no. So I just don't just leave the shed so I don't need to book a flight, and I just wear <laughs> rags. So that doesn't matter. I don't shop. So everything's fine. <laughs> as long as you can get your your uh, food delivered, you're okay. Exactly. That's true. Well, I must admit, Amazon seems to be all right with their checkout, so uh, that's that, that's what makes uh, Mr. Priest think everything's <laughs> fine. Um, well, I want to talk about uh, this more because uh, there is a company that has created and developed uh, a brand new style of a web accessibility toolkit that uh, any developer can build in with a simple line of CSS code. Now, if you don't know what that is, well, it's a very simple line that gets... I say simple line. I had to look it up. Uh, but basically, it's a line of code that goes into your website. If you're a developer, you'll know how it works. Uh, but you just add it to your website, and it will allow you to present various options on how somebody views your site. So it could be large text, it could be high contrast, or if you're dyslexic, it might be a different reading mode or even read aloud. Uh, it gives you all of these options and it just builds it into your site. Uh, the company is called Facility. Uh, Frederick is here from the company to tell me more about it. Uh, so, so tell us about uh, Facility. Facility is a web solution that you could plug on any kind of existing website and that modifies the aspect of the page you're browsing on just by selecting the profiles you need. If you have different needs, view problems, motion trouble like Parkinson's, or you got difficulties to understand what you're reading like a dyslexic person, just select the profile dyslexic and you will modify the aspect of the website exactly due to your need. It's just a customized solution, very simple to install. It just takes five minutes to install for the website owner. So this is for website owners to develop in to their websites, which of course makes websites more accessible to everyone. 
That's correct. That is an argument for the website owner just to deliver the best user experience possible to the users who have different needs browsing on these websites. So what made you come up with this? Oh, that's a long story. Uh, we are a French company uh, dedicated to web for, 30, for 20 years. And uh, one day, a young guy making an internship said, OK, I got an idea. I got some... Um, I think that we have some possibility to modify the aspect of the front page uh, without touching the initial code of the website. And by just modifying the file, the CSS file, I mean, the file that uh, puts, modifies the screen on your uh, telephone or on your computer, uh, we will adapt it to any kind of pathology. So we start with this idea. We have some seniors developers working with us, and then we create this algorithm, modifying every file to adapt the screen of the, of the telephone, for example. So, interesting tool. How do people get it? How do businesses, developers use it? Well, the developers, they don't have to do anything. Uh, we just get in touch with the owner of the website. Then they ask us to install facility. We develop in our side the CSS file just to be sure that everything will work correctly. And then we send them a piece of code and the logo. They just place it on their website. Like these people know that this website have been ac made, uh, is uh, accessible through facility. And, uh, and, and that's all. It just takes five minutes to the developers of the company to install the logo and, uh, and the piece of code, this tag. Wow, incredible. Um, thank you so much for telling us all about your product. Thank you very much for the interview. Thank you very much, Stephen. Thanks for that, Frederick. That sounds fantastic. I, I'm actually really looking forward to trying to work this into my WordPress blog for Life After Blindness because the fact that this can work behind the scenes, it doesn't really adjust anything you know, for anybody else. It just works and it's just there. I love this. I love this idea. This is, this is really, really cool technology. And yeah, as soon as I can get it worked into my website, I, I think everybody should use something like this. Yeah, I think that's the key point, isn't it? That, you know, again, it's that part of universal design. If you can build something, I mean, obviously, we want all developers to build it in from scratch. But the reality is, if you just make your website as accessible as possible by using tools like this, then it just makes the experience better for everyone. So that, you know, we don't have a situation where Sean Priest tells us everything's absolutely fine in the world of accessibility, which, of course, is absolutely <laughs> Fake nonsense. Fake news. Um, yeah, so you say. Uh, right, look, let's talk about um, smart assistants and smart tech in the home. And, of course, the other big tech trend here at CES 2020 this year, which is the Internet of Things. Um, I love this. I love the. I love. I always wanted to call this show. Originally, I was going to call this show "Things and Stuff," because those are my two favourite words. Um, I just love <laughs> things and stuff, and it's so it's you know relevant in some ways. But yeah, it fits in a lot of ways. Um, so, Internet of Things appeals to me, and and the reason it's called that is because it is literally anything. Anything at all could be smart. Anything at all could be uh, turned into this kind of technology that is just available that you know could be used and even maybe if it's a single use product or a simple uh, tool to do something really I mean you know think about the smart devices we've already got like smart watches uh, that are just for fitness right so you know you could have 
a watch that tracks your steps and tracks your heart rate. And that's maybe all it does, but that's a very key, important function. You could have a smart bulb in your house, and obviously its only function in life is to turn on and off, maybe dim up and down, possibly change colour, but essentially, whatever way you look at it, it's a bulb. Uh, but that's its function. So that's the Internet of Things. Uh, so there's all these things out there that are coming out. But what's most interesting is the, the new developments in this area. And there's one that I saw, and I thought, I thought of the three of us, because as soon as I heard about it, I could not stop laughing. Uh-oh. Uh, it's called a smart belt. <laughs> okay, I'm intrigued. Uh, uh, yeah, well, uh, I'm listening. So essentially, uh, it does a couple of things. It, uh, it tells you uh, what length your belt is at. I don't like that at all. Um, I don't want to know how long <laughs> no, my belt terrible. is. Oh. I don't um, need but to it, also, it also does gather steps information, uh, health information from you as well, uh, because obviously if it's position on you, it's giving you or giving it more information, more capability for more information. And, of course, all that's connected back to your smartphone with an app. So... Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's a bit of a one-trick pony because you wear it, it tells you you've walked maybe 5,000 steps today. Uh, it might even help you with weight loss because it'll, t- it'll show you uh, if, for example, you've lost weight. I don't know what that's like, but I've heard people have done that. Um, so maybe, you know, it'll, it'll tell you if you've lost weight and maybe maybe that's a great uh, maybe that's a great thing, actually, if you're losing or weight. Or if you, you've you know, gained weight. Well, that's the other side of the coin, yes. Um <laughs> So I think I think that kind of technology I don't want it is, is quite interesting but yeah I don't really want one either but it, it shows you the kind of mentality of where we are you know it shows you where we are because th- this technology is changing and it's going into everything I mean you know smart technology smart assistants it's going into everything and I have to say although it's really interesting to see all of this develop in uh, this, at this point in time it's also really interesting to note that Amazon have actually been at the forefront of all of this. One of the things that everyone's talking about here is a new smart assistant ring, uh, which has got a smart assistant built into it. And I'm like, well, hang on, haven't we heard of this before? Uh, didn't Amazon come up with one of these last year? Yeah. Uh, yes, they did. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of this technology coming through and different variants of it as well. Um, I think it's really interesting to see smart uh, suitcases this made me laugh. Uh, smart suitcases that follow you around. I, I've seen this before at CES, but uh, you know, again, this year was another on show, uh, which will always stay within about three to five feet of you. Um, apparently, if someone tries to steal it from you, so say someone's walking behind you, and this, I should say, just for clarity, this is a suitcase, like a carry-on cap cabin luggage size case, yeah. and um, it, it has artificial intelligence. It's got sensors built into it, and it's able to follow you. Uh, around, so you just on its little four wheels, it just follows you about. I have to say, as as the world's laziest person who hates carrying things, this appeals to me greatly. I'd sit on it. So as you're uh, traveling through the airport in your your uh, automated buggy that knows where to go, your suitcase <laughs> will follow behind. I'm loving this. <laughs> While your belt tells you how big you're getting. All right. I've got to say, you know, I don't know if you guys ever watched the Disney movie Wall-E, which was <laughs> potentially my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> yes. Uh, but that is the world I'm hoping we'll live in. I mean, it's, it's kind of, we're kind of going that way. I mean, the world is full of trash. It's being completely destroyed. Yes. Um, and at the same token, we are all running about in little robots. So, you know, we've essentially just created Wally. Or maybe Wally's to blame. Maybe I think Wally's to blame. Um, off, well, a, off a tangent. But can yeah. I just but, say, look, 
you're using the wrong term now, Stephen. It's no longer the Internet of Things. Uh, the CTA panel held a, 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 a trending at CES meeting at the start of CES, and they said it should be renamed now to the Intelligence of Things. Again, going back to artificial intelligence, take a shot. Um, but these little sensors and, and things around the house they're getting more intelligent. It's no longer about just being connected to other devices and being able to talk to other devices you know, through the internet or however. It's about these uh, sensors being able to use the, the information that they get and doing something intelligent with it, making decisions and uh, taking actions because of those decisions. So, yeah, they, they, they're saying that now IoT should stand for intelligence of things. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Um... But ultimately, it requires the internet to achieve it all. I mean, some of it doesn't. I mean, we talked about OrCam. It doesn't require the internet, although it does to some degree because you need to update it, you need to keep it updated, so it requires the internet. I think, though, 5G is where this is all going to come together. And I've said this before, but I think that 5G is is the culmination of all of this. You know, a lot of these devices will require 5G not just for, um, for information sharing, but also for location. We're going to talk a bit about that soon as well and how location and, and GPS is moving indoors as well. So that's really interesting. But just one thing about, one final point I want to make about that smart suitcase uh, that made me laugh was that when you apparently have this little suitcase, you are you know walking around uh, maybe an airport and someone runs up and tries to grab the case. That is obviously shocking behaviour. Someone would try and steal my bag of pants. But if that's what usually they, me thinking it's mine. Yeah, but if they if they want to do that, that's up to them. Good luck to them. But uh, I don't think that's a good idea. But if they did, here's what happens: it runs away. It just scoots off into oh. I don't know where it goes. Does it scream as well like R two D two? He doesn't know what that means. He's never seen a Star Wars. Remember? Oh yeah, I forget. Yeah. Is that the talking bin? I can never remember with that because it's either the tinfoil guy yes. or the paper bin. Wow. You're a disgrace. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, look. Uh, that would be cool, though. I'd love to have that happen where you're wandering through the airport, somebody tries to take your bag, and all of a sudden it just runs away screaming. Oh, you heard it here first. If you want to steal Tim's bags, then uh, feel free. He'd love it. Yes, as long as his bags scream. <laughs> Thanks. Yes. Uh, well, listen, uh, we are uh, almost out of time here for our first hour. But, uh, listen, if you uh, want to catch up with more uh, from CES from us, do check out our podcast. Uh, we have a special two hours of talk on CES 2020. Uh, check it out on the podcast. Uh, just search for uh, Double Tap Canada, wherever you get your podcast from, or check it all out on ami.ca or, of course, on our own little website as well, doubletap.online, where you've got lots more news and uh, views and opinions videos and interviews, lots more stuff coming. And as the weeks go on, especially with our special episode of Double Tap TV that will be coming to you from CES in uh, the coming weeks on AMI-TV, uh, you're going to see lots more and hear lots more as well. Uh, for now, though, uh, do stick around. We have got lots more to come on CES 2020 from Las Vegas. For now, though, Tim and Sean, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Check out lots more interviews and news from CES 2020 by visiting our website, doubletap.online. And keep tuning in on Tuesdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern for a special CES 2020 edition of Double Tap TV with Mark Aflalo and Stephen Scott. Catch you next time, Double Tappers. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. 
Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.